Welcome to the Hobby of a Lifestyle podcast, a show that looks at how our passions impact lives and drive career choices. I'm Andy Gray, a former national and world champion kickboxer. During my shows, I'll be talking with athletes, coaches, fans and more as I delve into their world to find out what inspired them on their journey. Welcome to Hobby of a Lifestyle. This week, I'm joined by Andrea Ross, who's kindly came on the show to share her journey from professional athlete to professional stunt performer. Let's find out the whole story. Welcome to Hobby of a Lifestyle, Andrea. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Andy. I'm happy to be here. No, I'm, I'm really excited. Andrea, do you just want to tell listeners what your profession, or what your hobby, what your passion is? Yeah, well, um, I am currently working full-time as a uh, stunt performer in film and television based out of Vancouver, BC, Canada. Um, and so I predominantly am on uh, television shows uh, right now, but, wow. um, you know, with the hope to be in future films one day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's what fills my time. I fight, fall, and flip for a living. It's a super amazing. boring job. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds amazing okay so we just kind of spoke prior prior to this and about some of the shows that you've been on that you're involved with still but, you know before we get to that that's that's been a journey so if we go back to a kid you said you, you know you're, you're in beating out did you grow up in vancouver as a child no i i was born and grew up near toronto ontario okay. so more central east canada um and yeah i i started my athletic career in gymnastics my my father put me in it, I think, like two and a half years old because I was a toddler with zero coordination. I would trip over thin air. And uh, and to put it into context, my I came from a family of athletes. So, okay. um, you know, uh, my aunt went to the Olympics for heptathlon. My wow. uncle played in uh, professional, like, American football. My aunt was national hurdler. You know, my dad played competitive sports. So... Uh, and I had cousins that, you know, ran yeah, almost, you know, trying for the Olympics for running and all of these things. Wow. So it was always the running joke that if you weren't an athlete, you weren't in the family. Uh, so, <laughs> so when I no didn't pressure. show promise early on, my dad panicked and, and he's like, I'm going to put her in gymnastics. So that was my first exposure to, um, to high level sport. And um, I luckily kind of took to it really quickly. And, you know, I went into competitive gymnastics for you know, I spent the better part of, you know, 10, 15 years in, okay. in gymnastics. Wow. I mean, uh, what, but, what, what level did you reach at gymnastics? You're talking about, you know, a family of competitors there who reach at high yeah. levels. What, what level did you reach within gymnastics? And if you were there for 10, 15 years? Not that high, which would have been a great end to the story. But um, it's why I had to change sports. Um, I, I was competitive provincially, not, okay. but it, it was just never enough to get, you know, to the national level. I was never going to be, you know, that good or yeah. whatever it, you know, took to do it. I, I didn't. And by then, you know, I was about to go in high school and there was yeah. other things I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. So I retired and, um, and I did, you know, power cheerleading and track and field. And I did all these high school sports that, you know, I loved. Um, and then uh, I found the sport of freestyle wrestling. And okay. um, that uh, I had was friends with a bunch of the football players. They claimed it was the hardest sport they've ever done. Right. And that, you know, that it's not for anyone. And I claimed I was pretty tough. So uh, they challenged me to come to the tryout. Um, okay. And I think I was, I was maybe... 15 yeah I was 15 years old and so I showed up in my cheerleading outfit to wrestling tryout and I I remember the coach rolling his eyes and just laughing at me and by the end of practice and it was all just conditioning it was like you know we were running suicides back and forth and and all of this and we were just sweating and grinding and I loved it really um I just instantly I was like this you know this is my this is my jam but yeah, so I found I found wrestling. I was one of the few girls in in the city and a team of you know all boys and wow. um, navigated that and ended up actually going to university uh, out in Calgary, uh, Alberta, so near yeah. Banff, on a you know on a quasi scholarship. Canadian wow. sport uh, is not highly funded, right? Um, and at the time in the state, there was actually no. Uh, women's wrestling at the same level as it was in Canada, which is really rare. Usually, wow. you know, the U.S. does it. So, anyways, yeah, I went yeah. to university uh, on wrestling, and I wrestled for about 15 years. I made it onto the national team. I represented 
Canada wow. for a few years on in on various platforms uh, levels. Um, really, really loved my time as an athlete. It was it was it hard. So, it, it sounds amazing. It was fun. I got to travel. I've made friends that. And imagine a lot of the stuff that you got from from the gymnastics really transferring to the wrestling, just that even just being flexible and being able to transition your body weight to different places that other people maybe can't do who are wrestling as well through the flexibility. I imagine it's a great transition. I mean, representing your country as well at that level, your dad must have been ecstatic. <laughs> he was, you know what? It was he was definitely one of my biggest fans as I wrestled. Quite a, a uh, a critic at the beginning, actually, we got in a fight over it when I was going to go up for the team. I got grounded. Really? Like, you're, you're, you're not going to, you know, girls don't wrestle, you know, okay. that. and I was like, whoa. And then, uh, you know, teenage girl hormones took over. We got in a big yeah. fight. I got grounded, couldn't go. So I lied and said I had extra cheerleading practices after school. And I stayed and I went to wrestling practices. Oh, wow. A couple weeks later, I told him that I had a competition that he should come watch. And, and he, you know, he came and, and I, I won and you could just see his eyes light up and be like, Oh, this is cool. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and going back to what you said about the gymnastics background, I think that was kind of, it was a unique skill set um, for wrestlers that are, yeah, yeah. you know, predominantly short, compact, you know, muscular, powerful yeah, things. Yeah. And then I'm this tall, string bean that can you know at, at the time you know you know bend in half and then yeah, yeah. you know unbend uh, and so I think it served me really well because uh, it gave me kind of a, a unique advantage um, yeah yeah 100 I, I can imagine yeah. I, can, I mean yeah <laughs> I can just imagine it was there any particular reason your dad didn't want you to wrestle was it just because it was maybe deemed a, a male dominant sport or was it because he was an overprotective dad and he just didn't want his little girl getting hurt um, I'm, I, to be honest, I'm going to go for the, uh, the overprotective dad. He yeah, does yeah. not like his kids getting hurt. He loves us playing sports, but yeah, if he could have us in bubble wrap, uh, all day, all day every day, I think he would. Yeah, um, does. but yeah. And so, and even like during my career is the hardest part for him was, you know, when we'd inevitably, well, you know, right. Yeah. You get injured doing yeah, of sports and doing them at high levels. And, and so I, I definitely experienced my fair share of, you know, near career ending yeah, yeah. Uh, injuries um, and, you know, ones that kept me from, you know, making it, you know, I'll say all the way. My dream was to go to the Olympics. Yeah, I tried very, very hard to do that. And I got what I consider in hindsight now pretty close. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, what was that like? But, let's, let's talk about that because you're obviously sure. on a journey there. You, you know, you've come from a very competitive family. You've now found a sport that you you absolutely love, and you, you're on the national team. You know, it's not a it's not a, a quick process to make the Olympics. You're looking at a four year cycle to even try and make it or at least qualify. So you've invested four years straight away. I'm assuming you've come into that the beginning of the four year cycle. What's it like when you get really close and then that dreams maybe is not realised? Heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. How did you yeah, deal with that I, then? Because I think it's really important to talk about. Yes. Well, I, um, I, I might rewind and go back because yeah. there was a couple Olympic trials. So, uh, in, in wrestling, you know, every four years, I was lucky enough to be heading into the height of my career when women's wrestling was introduced as a sport to the Olympics. So there was a lot of excitement. I wasn't quite ready for that, but yeah. the next four year cycle, you know, that was something that I was pretty excited about, ended up having a concussion so just couldn't even, so it kind of all went by as a blur and, yeah, yeah. you know, and, um, but then that, that last four year cycle where like, I knew that I was in my prime, I was wrestling, you know, some of my, some of my best, I was battling a, uh, a lot of really, uh, longstanding injuries. Um, I had, my shoulder had been, you know, separated and subluxed and there was, you know, my rotator cuff was, it, yeah. I would literally be on a boat or sneeze and it would pop out and then, you know, come back in and, uh, and I, ne I never took the time for surgery. And then right before Olympic trials, I was at a tournament in, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, an international tournament. And I was wrestling a girl from Japan and, you know, um, I ended up tearing a, a ligament in my knee mid match, oh, wow. my LCL, um, and kept wrestling 
she did the same move on me and blew the other one on my other knee. So, oh, no. and I ended up holding out and still winning the match. Wow. Um, in hindsight, maybe I should have just like given yeah, it to yeah. save myself, but you know, you're in it. So, um, that road to recovery, that was two months before Olympic trials. And so oh. in Canada, you have to qualify within the country. They give one spot per weight class right? Okay. Um, in the country. And then on top of that, then you have to go internationally and qualify the weight class. Yeah. yeah. Right. Wow. And, and I think it's similar in other combatives. Um, and the, the girl that, or the, the woman that I would have had to dethrone, she had already won a bronze and a silver medal at previous Olympics. So she right. was, yeah, she's going to be a, a, a tough, tough, cat to beat and i'm sure politics um, so I, come into play as well a little bit sometimes with these things when that, co- i'm sure politics come into these things as well sometimes when somebody's already a funded athlete and they've already guaranteed success i suppose yes they they i definitely the politics are set up in a way that if you if you've already made it it is so much easier to make it again yeah, yeah. you know the the funding like uh the funding was an issue like i i was working you know, two or three jobs. So I want to come. I want to come. I want to come back yeah. to that after this story. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. And so I was working a lot, and then huh, I'm like, all right. Our question was about loss, and here I am, uh, tangenting for you already. But um. So, anyways, all of those went to Olympic trials, not at my best, didn't have a good tournament. Yeah. yeah. So instantly, you know, the reality of the situation is you're not going to the Olympic. Yeah. Um. And that I also knew that probably my career was, you know, was done, but you know, I was, and yeah. So, uh, there was a lot of grief Uh, of like, you know, this, this sport that I had, you know, put 15 years of my life and literal blood, sweat, and tears, you know, I had sacrificed a fair amount for it, I think. Um, and I was, you know, really determined to to make it and to not, and to know that you weren't going to it takes a long time to come around to, okay, well, what's next? Like if I'm not an Olympic wrestler, how do I face, you know, myself and all those people that believed in me for yeah, so long. Course. Right. And be like, well, I you remember when I said I was going to make it, I didn't yeah. make it. And I'm um, sure so, when okay. you look back now, though, those people probably never bothered if you, you didn't make it, they were just proud of you wanting no. to support you in your dream. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. But you do very much. Think, oh my god! You, you almost like become embarrassed. Down. Yeah, you become embarrassed by it a little bit, don't you? And you think, oh my goodness, I've said I'm going to do something. I think sometimes they're just putting it out there and seeing you're going to do something and trying to achieve it is better than just saying it and not trying at all. Because so many people do that. Yes, and I, I would add to that. I think my personal struggle with that is when I look back, I questioned whether I had given it my all. Yeah. Okay. In order to make it, and you know, because I was always. I, I always had my hand in a couple baskets, right? I was either going to school or I was working or, yeah, yeah. you know, um, it was never just my, my, my own, my be all end all. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, now with, with time looking back, I was like, but would I have been, you know, any better if that was the only thing I was doing? Yeah, of course. I think and so were you, has- you talking there, most people who are in an Olympic cycle, certainly in the UK, I, I'd imagine if you're going for Olympic qualification and you're in the in that team, you'd be a funded athlete. And I'm assuming you just weren't a funded athlete at the time. I was not. I was that person that was always at the cutoff. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, these 10 people were, and I was like number 11 or, yeah. you know, or, um, and so I flirted with that a lot. And honestly, even, uh, I don't know what the funding is actually like in the UK, but in Canada, it's still pretty subpar. Like the amount that you actually get, you can't live off of. Yeah. Um, but it does help. It helps. Yeah, I think there's. Yeah. I think it might be similar to the, to the US. From from the people I spoke to, I I don't know. I know the US is very structured and it's like a three tier system for funding. Mm-hmm. Um, from the from people I spoke to at the UK, it seems like there's maybe there's a bit of a structural process in there as well, where you know the the guys who are are at the top of the game are probably on a really good funding program where they can afford to live and it's a job. And then there's, I think there's other people who are maybe at the lower end where it's paying for expenses. It's maybe, you know, it's covering things, but maybe it's not enough to live on. So I'm, I'm not yeah. sure exactly how it works. It's, it's one of the ones I probably need to ask the next, the next GB Olympian that I speak to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm um, like when I was, you know, 
competing with Canada, I, the system was similar. They had like an A card, yeah. a B card and the development cards. And so you would, depending on, you know, your performance points the year before or two years before, that was what you qualified for. And that meant different things as far as a monthly stipend, yeah. what expenses were covered when you trained, what expenses were covered when you traveled and competed. Um, and so, yeah, it, it varied that way. Uh, so you, what jobs were you doing then? You know, you talked about being in school and you've talked about getting jobs. Mm-hmm. What exactly were you doing? Because it would have been very easy for, for a lot of people to go, well, maybe it's the Olympic dream of or, or at least being funded as a, as a competitor. Maybe that's mm-hmm. not there, but you were still very much driven by your goals to, to be in the Olympics and represent Team Canada. So what jobs were you doing at the time? Um, yeah, I was uh, coaching gymnastics. A lot. So when I left gymnastics, that was the first job that I went to when I was 16 to, to make money. And I, I actually love coaching. It's it's a long time passion of mine. Um, and so that was easy because it was at the university. So I could train and I'd literally finish training shower and then go coach for, nice. you know, two yeah, to four yeah. hours, um, mostly coaching. But I worked uh, as an executive assistant at a real estate development company. I served tables. I, you know, I. <laughs> Yeah, when we talked about it before about the struggles and the the sacrifices that people make and we, you know we said just before recording that it's important to highlight what professional sports people go through what professional just what professions in people professionals do in general to get where they are now it's not all glitz and glamour and medals and being on tv shows it's the hard work yeah. that's went in before that you know you're talking about being a waitress working for different companies while still trying to become an Olympian and then all of that as you said maybe in hindsight now you look how close you were and this, would it have been different had you just been able to fully commit to being an athlete but yeah who, who knows I suppose but this is this this is what people do in order to succeed so it's, it's good that you're sharing that information thank you very much no oh, my pleasure I will say that the like the girls that I trained with you know we I trained at one of the top centers in the country. So, you know, most of, you know, um, the Olympians, you know, came from our space or one of three spaces and ours was one of them. Um, Actually two Olympic champion females are from our gym that I was, you know, I either was their training partner or we were there at the same time. Um, And I I would say that all of those high performance athletes, they did not have jobs. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were able to either get funding from family or, you know, or, you know, other means and, yeah, and be funded. And so I, you know, there, there was definitely that, that piece to also, they're just generally badasses <laughs> and, you know, and they had that something special. Yeah, um, and, uh, and I, my path was just meant to go somewhere different yeah, yeah. and I was meant to use my skills a different way, which, you know, 100%. in hindsight, now I'm relieved. I can look back on it with a little less, a little less pain. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. Get, get, getting over the anguish and, and realizing that the dream of becoming an Olympian is is no longer something that's going to happen. And I'm assuming you must be sort of mid mid to late twenties by the time this is happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I mean that's whereas a lot of people have probably been to to high school then maybe into college, university, and maybe they've got careers from being sort of 22, 23. and then all of a sudden you've been chasing your your dream, and that's not real. How how do you you talk about the grief and then how do you pick yourself up and where do you decide which direction you want to go in then? Yeah. Well, I mean, after a little bit of travel, a little bit of whiskey and a little bit of like self pity, then, you know, (laughs) I I think (laughs) the one great thing about most athletes that I know is like, we're, we are goal driven. Right. And so yeah, it's about finding that other goal and and going after it. And so, um, yeah, I, I was able to, um, start to focus on uh, trying to find you know a big kid job. Yeah, yeah. And this, this leads into why I am where I'm at now. But uh, yeah, my my big kid job, you know, make my dad proud. He helped me get through university yeah, yeah. financially, and I have two degrees. And you know, I'm like I'm going to use them. Um, and at the time, I was still coaching gymnastics, and nice. um, and I was coaching wrestling as well. Um, okay. Not for money. That was there's just no money in wrestling whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was just because I loved it, and um, and and yeah, I I just started applying. I had a, two degrees in one in marketing and business, and one in kinesiology. 
so a sports management or sports yeah, yeah. Uh, marketing disease. And I really wanted to work for the Canadian Olympic Committee. That was like the that was like the dream job during you know the school and being an athlete. Um, and then something about not making the Olympics. I was kind of like, eh. don't do that anymore. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> and it, it basically all led down to I got an opportunity to run a gymnastics center that was starting up at a like a members only facility, um, and. I was so excited by that. I was like, oh, I, you know, a salary, I get to be in a gymnastics gym, I get to work out and train, all this is fun. Um, And by that time, I had also started doing uh, parkour and free running. I don't know if, yeah, I think that that sport is much more uh, commonly known now. Yeah, it's it's quite a big thing here in the UK. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. You know, I think after the original, like, uh, Daniel Craig James Bond movie came out and ah, yeah, started to like noise, and now there's parkour schools and yeah. and all of that um but yeah I had been doing that because uh it was such an easy transition from yeah. gymnastics and I love to compete so I started competing in parkour wow. um and teaching it and you know just trying to immerse myself in that and the people that I would be competing against mostly either the UK or American yeah yeah they were getting these jobs and on film sets, oh, like nice. getting paid to do parkour because yeah, yeah. you know it's a it's the movement performance and art and uh, and I was like I can get paid to do this thing that I train like three hours a day like I I wasn't able to get paid as a wrestler and yeah, or go yeah. to the Olympics but like being a stunt person could be so that was the first time that I kind of a light went off me like that would be such a cool job that I could almost be a an elite, you know, uh, pro- professional athlete. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the first 100%. chance that I saw that I could be a professional athlete and, you know, and perform and compete and like learn things. And um, yeah, wow. and I was running this gymnastics center, watching other people do stuff. And, um, and basically, my boss, who is now one of my closest friends, she was a right. bridesmaid in my wedding. Where, wow. you know, but she came up to me one day and she's like, Andrea, there's jobs that we're good at and there's jobs that we love yeah, yeah. and you're you're really good at this job but i don't think you love it and i just remember being like she knows like <laughs> this is when i'm getting she's tired called she's called me mm-hmm. and, and i was kind of in that i was in a really weird space at that time you know again trying to find where i belonged after yeah, being course. an athlete my whole life and just but not feeling like i fit in anywhere where i was trying to be yeah yeah um and she's like well what do you want to be and I said like a stunt performer in in movies like I want to do that and she's like great where do you have to be to do that and I was like well either Toronto or Vancouver and I said she's like okay you have a three-month leave of absence from the job find someone to fill your spot for three months I'll hold it go and try and I hope you don't come back but if you do like I've now removed all the barriers and I was like, oh, bitch, like, I, what, I can't say no to that. No, you, know? like, you, you don't get that opportunity very often. That it never happens. And so for me to not, you know, just see that as that, yeah, yeah. you know, the golden highway. So like, uh, okay. So got like within a month, got all the ducks in a row, rented out my condo, found someone to fill in my job, found a space and packed up my car found a, a parkour friend that was willing to drive out west with me and wow. and I never came back really? and it took me a long time to break in but within the first week of being in Vancouver and for the first time having one sole purpose and one sole yeah, goal yeah. which was to make it in film and I wasn't I wasn't working I was using my savings and all I was doing everything in my being was directed towards Wow. making this one thing happen with zero fear of failure for the first time also because i, I knew i had when you something know you can to go fall back, back to a job yeah i suppose it's taken away from you it's literally a case of well i can try and fail but at least now you can say you've tried yeah i mean you know you you're talking about all these skills that you've got that you can apply to being a stunt person i'm sure it's the same over there but over here in the uk i'm sure there's a kind of a license that you need to have in order to be class assistant i know there's ways of working towards those licenses i don't know what it's like over in canada or the states how do you be go about them you've only got because three months let's be honest is a long time but it's not a very long time to be finding opportunities to be a stunt person and again having yeah. to pit yourself against other people who have been doing very similar things 
So how did you even yeah. go about starting to to look and break into that world? That's such a great question. Um, and I would say like within three months, I was nowhere near getting a set job. It yeah. took me a year and a half to get my first big break. But okay. within 10 days of being there, I knew that even if I didn't make it as a stunt person, this pursuit was so worth everything that yeah. I, I was no longer needing that, that uh, safety net. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to do it. But, um, but for us, un- unlike the UK that actually, you know, I have some friends that are working towards the stunt register, I yeah, think yeah. is what it's called or something, um, so. where you, you know, yeah, you have to be in like six different disciplines at yeah. a certain level. And uh, it's more the wild west out here. There's, <laughs> there's, there's not a standardized system or method to get in. Okay. Um, and I Just, think that more, more senior stunt performers, I think have a way better way to articulate what it takes, you know, cause yeah, they've yeah. been in it for so long and they, you know, they've seen, but from my personal experience, um, I have noticed like myself and friends, we get in because we either have, you know, like an expertise, uh, yeah, is a great place to start. So I got in, you know, I was an acrobat. So I did gymnastics. I was performing circus at the time and I was doing parkour. So, you know, that's kind of gets clumped into like, you know, a movement kind of expert. Um, And so, you know, basically from there, you put together a demo reel, you put together a resume, you get your headshots, you start literally knocking on doors, which now is harder because everything's digital. So you can't actually, you know, and with, and with COVID, everything shut that you can't break into anywhere to like yeah. meet somebody. I imagine um, it's just demo reels now, is it? And literally putting demo reel after demo reel together to say, look, this is what I can do. And and it won't just be, yeah. it'll be almost be like a resume or a CV here in the UK where you can't just have one. One doesn't fit, one size doesn't fit all. It's going to be a number of different resumes, CVs that fit whatever it is you're going for. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's a whole bunch of, Basically, you just you do anything you can to get your foot in the door. And essentially what I from my experience, it was a mixture of building up my skill set. So whatever I had showcasing my skill set that I already had, which was acrobatics, building all of the other little pieces, like being able to have a basic fight literacy. Right. So I started taking Taekwondo lessons. I started taking boxing lessons, Um, you know, being comfortable in water being you know doing a break fall basically just learning any like getting my scuba diving certification so very similar things that in the uk people do it's just i think it's tracked less um less uh and documented less that way so it was all of that and then networking that that was kind of the number the, you know the number two thing was no it's, uh, it's amazing how many... these, but if no one knows that you can do them and no yeah. one trusts you to do them under pressure with you know a lot of money and other people's lives on the line it doesn't matter how good you are yeah so. yeah it's an interesting one because it, I've, I found that a lot of the the performers who kind of maybe just broke into the industry and and have got had some success the the kind of struggles that they went through just to be able to do what they love doing and and it might still not even be in a paid position yet, but they're doing more and more of what they love doing. But it was almost like if it was a singer, the singer, the singing was kind of a secondary thing because of all the networking and all the things that they had to do just to put themselves in a position to be able to perform. And it sounds very similar with yourself. The fact that, you know, you've already got all this, all these skills, but the things that you've had to do in order to break into the, to the, the whole world that you're in now has been a lot a lot harder and then just look at, I can do some flips and tricks and I can kick and punch. Yes. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I kind of, I admire the UK system because one, I actually love the training part. Like that's the athlete in me. Yeah. And I, you know, I do know some people that are stunt performers because they're really good at something and they kind of rest on those laurels and they're like, yeah. you know, hire me. This is what I do. And for me, this was like, this was the chance to get paid to learn new things yeah. constantly. And I heard my French, I fucking loved that challenge. Like I love the like hard, you know, dirty work, like yeah. almost as much as actually getting to like showcase it in a costume, you know, on set. Yeah. Um, so that was like, honestly, I can't describe how 
happy I am that I'm doing this for a living. It comes um, across very evident when I'm watching you on social media, how happy you are run, running up walls yeah. and flipping, flipping off walls and fighting and punching people and kicking it. It looks phenomenal. I mean, you said it took a year and a half for your first kind of break into the, into the world to, to come to fruition. What was it like when you eventually realized I'm now a professional stunt person? I haven't realized that fully yet because okay. I always set the bar further and I'm, I'm surrounded by, you know, just when you think you got it, you're surrounded by these people that have been doing it for 10 years longer yeah. that have doubled these like A-list actors and have done things that you could only dream of, you know, ever being hired to do. Of course. Um, and so, <laughs> so my definition of like, you know, made it as a professional stunt person uh, might be a little different than you'd think, but um from going back then, so I got my first big break on Supernatural. Yeah, I got wow. yeah. Basically, it was you know I had done a year and a half of taking every stunt person I could out for coffee and picking their brain and you know and following up and and I I was a very slow organic relationship builder. I wasn't yeah, yeah. a really good flashy you know person. I, yeah, of course. Um, which I think in the long run served me well, but. Yeah. Um, to nice. under promise over deliver but yeah. that just means it takes longer because everyone is is uh promising something in this industry right but yeah, um course. so anyways I got the call um a year and a half into my like actual pursuit and I had been working background on film I had been you know doing anything I could and uh from that day I was just like this is the coolest thing in the world like this yeah. I would wait another year and a half for another job I mean, Fortunately, it's, a, it's a pretty decent start, supernatural, isn't it? I yeah, mean, the size, yeah. the size of the show and the longevity of it, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it was. And it was literally one of those like perfect storms where the coordinator knew who I was. But like, you can't really get hired until you're in the union, but you can't get yeah. in the union until you get hired. <laughs> it's just like, uh, unless you have like an exceptional skill, yeah. you know, or um, uh, or if you meet a you know, either a profile to like doubt for doubling a character. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I do a lot of doubling actors instead of I being th- my own. I, mm-hmm. I thought Jensen Nichols looked funny in one of those episodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had, he lost a lot of weight that day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you think, obviously think being a huge fan of the likes of Smallville and stuff, and then knowing that the, the cast of Supernatural kind of all get on well with each other and, you know, you see the likes of Tom Willen just sneaking, sneaking out on set of Supernatural and stuff. You can see that a lot of those shows are intertwined. And is that the, the Supernatural gig, is that kind of led on to all of the other things that you've done? Because they all seem to be intertwined with each other, like the DC stuff and mm. the Warner like Brothers. They, they're all run by the CW network. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so there is, I think what you mean is like, there's so much crossover between the actors and the crew. Yeah, and, that's and what that. yeah. 100%. Yeah, and, and so, um, I mean, Vancouver, there's it's a big stunt community, but it's not so big that, you know, uh, like, you know, most people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, word gets around. And so once you have your first job and then you can, you know, apply to be in the union, your, your life gets a lot easier after that. that. And I was really fortunate with the timing um, of which I came in because, film started to get so busy yeah and like you said all of those shows you know started to to come on like Supergirl yeah. and DC Legends and all of that and yeah. so uh Vancouver was very busy at that time and so luckily it was just a matter of the person that normally doubles that person being busy on another show and their backup being busy and then they called me and wow. I was like I'm happy to be here <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I can be third fourth like you know yeah, I, yeah. I don't care um and, and then, so once you're hired, then you go into, um, they have like a roster in Canada, it's called Stunt List. So once you've had a couple credits and you have some references, yeah, yeah. you go into this massive database Okay. with, you know, your size, your skills, your pictures, and a lot of then the stunt coordinators who get hired by the show, okay. they, they can draw from there if they don't already know you, right? When they're Got looking it. for either new bodies or if they're looking for, you know, someone to fill in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so within six months of that first job, um, I was able to live off of 
being a stunt performer. So I was wow. really fortunate because that timeline I was told was going to be probably about five years. Right. And so, yeah. It, again, is it fortunate or is it just the fact that, you know, how hard you've worked and this, the effort you've put in there and you say in a five-year timeline, but how long have you really been working that from two-year-old doing gymnastics and then doing wrestling? So, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's it, it's more of a testament to your skill, I would have thought, than being fortunate. I, I know the right time, right place is sometimes... It's it, yeah, but I, I think from the effort that you've put into to being there and the fact that you've been a national athlete and taught gymnastics and everything and investing in yourself just by doing other hobbies as well. Um, I, I think it's great. I mean, getting on super supernatural, I, I, it's a big first show to be on. It was, it's yeah, huge. It I was, mean, you look uh, at the it's, as I've said, the longevity of and how big that as a show is. You yeah. must be thinking, wow, if, you know, I know you're saying you, you're not thinking I've made it, but let's <laughs> let's be honest, there must be a little bit thinking, wow, I can go back and tell my friends I'm on Supernatural now. Oh, I told everybody <laughs> that I was allowed to, as soon as I could, like, as soon as my NDA, like, as soon as I was allowed to tell everybody, yeah, I yeah. told everybody. Um, <laughs> and, and to be honest, most people, their first stunt job is like, just fall down over here. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, they, so you tend to, mine, I got to be on a wire hanging around being like thrown around up in the air and then i got to run and jump into a car Amazing. parked car um and i was just like yeah yeah that's yeah, amazing so, <laughs> um subsequent jobs were just falling down but yeah. like that one was pretty rad um and i would say my um my next big break came um i got to be the lead double on a show called winona earth which um it it has a really awesome cult following it's only been four seasons and i got to double the lead melanie wow. scofano on season two three and four not a big budget show but you know the fans are just so amazing yeah, and yeah. intense and like um and and so uh that was a really cool experience because wow. to be the lead double you, yeah, of you get to do so much more and so out of that i got to do driving stunts i got wow. to you know smash you know smash through glass i got to do fight scenes i got to you know i got to do all these things yeah, yeah. that you would never be hired to do. Um, I suppose getting myself. a role like that will then kind of put you into that next bracket for future roles where, okay, now I've done this and I've done that and I've been the lead stunt double. Does that then yeah. just kind of escalate your chances of getting, not not a barely gig because the, the, it sounds like the gigs that you've been on there are fantastic, but just kind of puts you out there a little bit more and gives you a, a better audience? I think so. I think every time you do that, you're like, oh, I have, I have a taste of this skill now. That's yeah, in my yeah. basket. Oh, and now I have a taste of this. Like, and so not that I would say, you know, out of that show that I, you know, became an expert at fighting or driving, yeah. but I can say I have done it before. Yeah, of course. I didn't kill anyone. I did it successfully. It didn't suck. It looked good. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, so you at least have that, that, you know, that again, then you go on your reel and people see, they're like, oh, okay, well, someone has trusted her to do this and it didn't look like shit. So maybe I'll hire her to do that again. Yeah, sometime. of course. And at least I like to think that's what goes through their mind as I put all, I mean, it all must the effort when... into putting those things out there. You look at you look at the shows that you've been on, and you know the the lists kind of it's 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 nearly endless, isn't it? It's it's huge now. I, you know, I'm just on, I've been on IMDb. I'm just looking at it again there. It's oh, I haven't updated that thing in over a year and a half. Well, I'm, well, I'm glad. I'm glad because otherwise I'd be <laughs> just constantly scrolling. <laughs> uh, I've been I've been so. I say it's fortunate to be on so many and like, and yes, I work really hard and that's what I want to be. Doing. Yeah, of and course. So I think, I think I count myself really fortunate that, um, that people continue to give me those opportunities yeah. and they see what I feel and that that matches, right? Like yeah. I feel like I'm working hard and I'm constantly trying to improve and they see that and they're willing to invest in it. Like, and we get to make art together yeah, and like, I mean, yeah, it was, I'm just looking at, yeah. so Legends of Tomorrow, you've done well. It says you had twenty nine episodes. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's more since since yeah. since you updated that. What was it like going onto that set? Because that yeah. is full action DC Legends, and we talked about this. You know, it's really quirky. It's fun. It's not dark like Arrow was. It's not maybe it's as Flash is kind of a bit of both. It's not dark, but it's a bit more mm. bit more serious, and it's still got quirky elements to it. But it's you know, but they're yeah. all very different entities in their own right, even though they cross over so much. Yeah, hard to take time travel um, that seriously. Yeah, yeah, so like it was. 
honestly, that that show, I think that changed my career tra- trajectory okay. um, because just the the level of of stuff that you got to yeah, do yeah. on it, and and the and I would say the um, the quality and sorry, I don't know what that was. The quality and level of experience of of the coordinators and the team yeah. already, like that was, you know, there was people that have done some really cool stuff for a lot of years that were running the helm of that show. And um, I had to audition for, for that, okay, well, that role to, to double Ava um, with the first season that they brought just uh, just out. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember that was the first time that I slightly overstated my uh, abilities. Right. And I had never done that before. And I, I, I did, and they brought me out uh, for, you know, what they call a look-see, so like an audition. Yeah, yeah. It was clear very early on that um, I was not exactly what I said. <laughs> 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 um, and, but out of that, when I had realized that I was in over my head, and I was like, I'm never going to work again. Yeah, I literally yeah. said that to myself. I was like, okay, well, this is going to be the best private lesson opportunity ever like yeah. when else do you get this chance so just learn what you can run away and hopefully one day i'll get another chance and so that i think saved me because that changed in my changed my brain took all of the like pressure off okay and they started running me through all of these different drills like boxing drills and stick fighting drills and hand-to-hand stuff and not stuff that i really knew but okay. i picked up well, i think i picked up very quickly yeah. quickly enough that the, the boss finally took me around and he's like Okay, so you're clearly like not good at this yet, <laughs> but you learn so fast that if you keep training with us, yeah, yeah. the job is yours. Wow! And I, I just was like, whoever says no to that, yeah, of course. Um, and so yeah, and so then I got to to be on that team and and play, and I learned so much and have <laughs> a lot of fun. And I got to double, you know, quite a few characters and, and play, but mostly I doubled uh, Jeff. Yeah. Um, well. Wow. I yeah, mean, who, what, what are the cast like as well? Because I'd imagine, or, do they have a lot of input into how you do that? I mean, I know they're not, but as the, the main actor who's in the show, do they get mm-hmm. a lot of input to say, well, actually, you know, maybe she would do it like this, even though they maybe don't have a clue what they're talking about? Um, You know what, I, from what I've seen, like one, uh, Katie, Katie Lott. I can imagine she, does she do a lot of her own stuff? Because she's, a dancer and, and everything anyway, isn't she? Well, yeah, she she can do more than a lot of us stunt yeah, people yeah. can do. Um, she's extremely talented. And so um, I think that, yeah, I think a lot of the act, it, it's such a collaborative experience between the writers and then the directors that want to see something. And then the fight people that, you know, the fight team that have yeah, to put yeah. together, you know, what they think that interpretation is. And then, and then the actors being like, is this true to the character or yeah. is this within my ability as well? Yeah, and yeah. like, and so it, it, it always kind of shuffles around. Um, and wow. so it's that's, but that's the cool part of the process for me, right. That it's yeah. kind of always changing and literally until the cameras are rolling, things could be changing. Yeah. I, I mean, how, even how do you even roll, practice? Like, yeah. I mean, just when you're thinking about, you know, I think a lot of people probably just think, yeah, stunt, stunt people turn up, they'll throw a few kicks and punches, they'll do a couple of stunts. But we, obviously we, we know it's choreographed, but how much practice has the go into that, that choreography? Because it is very, very fine detail, especially where things can go wrong as well. So how, how much, yeah. you know, if you're talking about you're doing an episode, how much practice do you get to do an episode? Because they're kind of filling back to back, aren't they? Yeah. So... Um, that question always depends. It really yeah, depends yeah. on the show. Feature films, they, that's a whole nother beast that I can't speak to because yeah, I'm yeah. not on it. Um, that where they have time for preparation, but typically TV because there's short turnaround. Um, it really does depend. And uh, I guess to give you, there's times where I show up and we have to put together five, 10 beats of a fight right there. Wow. Like the morning, you know, before we get our costumes on there's times where we get like a rehearsal day there's times where we get three days to like kind of you know film some things see if they look cool practice it and then you know practice it on site yeah um and then there's shows like when i was on jupiter's legacy you know we trained that the opening battle we trained it for two months 
Wow. With the actors, just that one fight. Wow. Every day for two months. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it can really vary. And I think that, um, I think nowadays, um, the, the expectation on, um, you know, preparation and what the fighting actually looks like, yeah. you know, it, it, it just gets better and bigger, I think. It was probably what you thought where people would just show up and yeah. throw a couple punches, throw a couple kicks, break a bottle and call it a day. <laughs> I think, that, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's a little, it's so much more complex now, I think. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, you know, I keep going back to sort of the the DC universe stuff, the legends, the flashes, the supergirls and whatnot. What's it like being a, a kind of a, a small part of an integral part, but everyone will see themselves as a small part, I'm sure. Being a small part of this this huge thing. This is, you know, this isn't just a North American thing. This is a, it's a global thing that people absolutely love. You know, I, I see people at comic cons all over the world, just kind of queuing to see people who have been in the show, but what's it like knowing that you're, you're part of that legacy? Ooh, um, I was not on expecting the, on that the spot, question. On the spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy. Um, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in awe of that. Like that that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I think just to like have my hand in it. Um, I or I would say like a pinky finger compared to you know compared to that. I think it's only a pinky finger because your face isn't seen though, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Well, I, I think I, I think that I have um I would an honest a and humble more. opinion of of my role in it, right? And like. I didn't write it. I didn't produce yeah. it or direct it. I'm not the star in it. I literally, you see the back of my head, maybe, you know, for a flash or a couple of times. So yeah. my, my actual level of contribution um, is low in my mind though. Like, you know, it's a lot bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I'm the main part. <laughs> you see me? Yeah. I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> my that? butt, it's famous. See, yeah. see Eva, that's me. Body double. Although oh, I must admit, when you were talking about, <laughs> no, she's not. She's not. Uh, I, I, I just my imagination before, by the way, when you were talking about the skill set that you you said you had and then didn't have. I just had that episode of Friends when Joey teaches everyone to dance when he says he's the professional dancer, and that was oh kind God. of what I envisioned as he walked in. First, it's it was it was pretty much that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> It was. I was sweating a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was so nervous. It's it's brilliant. What what's been the favorite show that for you that you've worked on? I'm going to put you on the spot again and ask which mm. one's been your favorite. Mm. Um, I mean, honestly, I love working with Jess. I think yeah. that makes um so that you know that one that show has just always been longstanding. I love the the family, the fight, you know, the the stunt family on that one, and working with Jess. Um, Winona Earp, I, I know it was a smaller show, but Mel and I, um, we had a blast. Um, and with her, just we, uh, we had just had like a, a really great rhythm of her just killing it and yeah, yeah. doing a lot of her own stuff. But then her being like, okay, like you are falling on the ice, you're crashing through this. And, and you'd be like, yes, like just tagging, tagging each other in and out. Like that was, yeah, that yeah. was really fun. And so most of my experience has been like, who I've gotten to to work with and having that chemistry on uh, Jupiter's legacy. I would say that that's the biggest project I've yeah. ever worked on. Um, and the one I learned the most, it was, really? you know, um, yeah, it was, it was seven months of training every yeah. day of building fights of doing wire gags that I never, you know, um, well, sorry. Sorry. Is that working now? Yeah. yeah. I think the sound changed because my headphones died. Oh, right. It's all right. It's not a problem. Has there has there been? You know, and obviously, I wouldn't expect you to name it because. Uh, was there been a set where you just didn't get on the cast, where it was just like, wow, this this is a horrible job. Yes. Yeah. There's definitely been. There has been times where either the person that I'm doubling like doesn't want me to be there. Okay. Um, or is just having me. You know, obviously, other stuff could be going on. Yeah, of course. Um, that just made that experience really challenging. Um, you know, that there's been, you know, 
there's always like, you know, we're people. So there's, yeah. you know, there's bosses, there's coworkers that are always, you know, always challenging. Yeah. And there's a lot on the line. There's a lot of pressure. And um, I have, I will say I've been extremely fortunate to mostly mo- predominantly work for people that I really admire and respect yeah. and have a lot of fun with. And so um, I think that I would like to attribute that to, you know, what I put out there as yeah. well, you know, of course. Um, well, but yeah. I mean, what's the next steps for you then, Andrea? Global domination. Um, obviously, obviously, I, I understand. Um, yeah, I think so. I have an 11 month old son. Congratulations. So COVID baby. Yes, we yeah. were talking about that. So um, the last two years have been very interesting and different. Yeah. Um, so, and kind of shifted temporarily shifted my perspective and my goal um yeah so COVID hit decided I'd been putting off we'd been putting off the kids talk decided to try it worked it's like hey we're doing this and then lo and behold film uh came back way stronger than I thought it would be um it did and so I was like oh okay so there there's still a lot of work and I'm getting larger by the day so I actually went back um, when I was eight weeks pregnant, I finished the show that I was on when wow. COVID stopped. My doctor cleared me. We, yeah, we yeah. Talked about doing. They said no problem. So I finished that show at 15 weeks pregnant. Wow. Literally, last scene of of my like career was riding a motorcycle into a sunset, and I was just like, "This is yeah. too perfect." <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, then yeah, fast forward, had the kid, and then I went back and did a job. Actually, um, on the new John Cena show that's coming out, I think right now it's out. Um, and uh, at seven weeks, I, I said yes to. I was so stir crazy, like I just need to try, and yeah, yeah. they said it would be an easy day. So I was like, okay, it's going to be an easy couple of days. It was not an easy couple of days, which I should have known better. That in like the world of stunts, yeah, you know, just because yeah. it does one thing on the day, it could be kind of anything. And so that was. <laughs> I remember getting home after the like second day and me being like, I, I, I don't know if I can do that. Like I just put my body through something worse than labor. Like yeah. I don't know. And my husband just like hands me like a glass, runs a bath, and I just sit there. And then I wake up the next morning like not so bad. Not I'm gonna go back today. And then I took off a whole month after that and be like, okay, I need to to strengthen I, yeah. and like, get back because I think at that point you really realize how as any athlete right like athlete performance shape and like everyday active person yeah, shape yeah. are two very different things yeah yeah um and that's that's why i always get a giggle when you know when typically men you know they're like oh i totally could have been a stunt person like yeah, yeah. and and chances are yeah maybe you could have for sure um but that there's just so much more to it than that and i was like that's the day that i realized like yeah when i say it i mean it like yeah yeah it it sounds very hard it sounds very hard yeah right Um, there is probably a lot of men who think they can do it and then realize very quickly there's maybe elements they could do but not the whole package i i think that's very well but i think that's what it is and i mean if everyone could do it maybe it wouldn't be as cool as as it is right so yeah um, and i don't blame people for wanting to because it in some ways it's so fun on the days where you're well, driving yeah. home questioning your life choices it's you know it's, yeah. it's trade offs there's there's the fun easy it's, days and it's probably a bit like for- social media though isn't it where it shows you a 10, 10 second snapshot and if any highlight really see is only going to show you the good stuff, whether, you know, you're having fun and you're doing all these really cool things. But in reality, you know, you've probably just listened to a, a, th- a three hour chat about how this car is going to crash into a ball and how you're going to get out the way of it and how it's, everything's going to work. So I can imagine there's a lot of, lot of downtime waste before all the fun stuff. Yes, absolutely. There's, you know, there's the week after of acupuncture and Cairo and, and that to like fix your spine and put it back into shape as you've been like hitting the walls and being thrown all over the place. And, you know, and, and some people don't enjoy that discomfort. I mean, most people don't, um, no, no, it doesn't (laughs) bother me as much because it's just part of the package. You just wake up constantly sore. Yeah, like I, I can't, you know, carry a laundry basket around, yeah. but I will save myself for, you know, a huge fight scene. It's very selective. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I totally, yeah. It's almost like Yoda, isn't it? You just kind of bounce into action and then go, go. 
just I'm, I'm there I'm ready I love that um, I love that what would your one piece of advice be then to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps Ooh, um make your own footsteps because <laughs> my, my journey is yeah it's all over the place super um I, honestly I would not wait as long as I did to go after it yeah. um and that that fear of failure and those, you know, those risks or waiting for everything to line up perfectly that it doesn't, doesn't exist. And it's not as scary as we think it is. Um, I, I've truly now come to believe that you, you know, you can always work your way out of something that you get yourself into. Um, and I think knowing that gave me, uh, learning that finally gave me the confidence to like keep doing that. And, and I find that I relearned it after, you know, after having my kid and being like, am yeah. I going to be able to do this again? Like, it, am, you know, are people going to hire me? Am I going to enjoy doing stunts? And immediately I was like, Oh, people will still hire me and they yeah. haven't forgotten me. I still really love doing this, you know, and maybe now I have something different to bring to the table. Yeah. I um, suppose it's a really big thing for women though. The fact that if they want to have a family, you know, you've got to, do it by a certain age, I suppose, because just the way, but it must be a big thing for women thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to be having taken time out because I I won't be able to do this. And then I've got to come back. It, it's sad, really, to think that women sometimes maybe put their life on hold because of careers when it should never really be an option. It should just be a case like any other job. Well, I'm having a baby and I'll be back when I'm done. Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's a very powerful observation. And um I mean, yeah, we were, we're beholden to biology to a great degree, right? Us women. And so, um, yeah, timing is, is kind of key. It's, it's yeah, a big yeah. piece of the puzzle. Um, I will say that my personal experience of like, of taking time away from work and having a kid and coming back was above and beyond uh, a positive one. Brilliant. Um, Good. Yeah. I mean, there, there was so many male STEM performers that were supportive that, you know, that shared stories of, you know, their family and how important that balance actually is for their career. Even if it means, you know, um, saying no to some of the like big, awesome jobs that people would you know kill for. And, um, and as hard as that sounds, cause like, I want those, you know, big, and not that I have to say no, but that, you know, um, but yeah, it was, it was, Definitely, I was riddled with a lot more positive support than I thought I was, and probably than the generation of women uh, stunt performers before me had. I think that yeah. they had to pave the way really hard where they, you know, I know some of them had to choose family or career instead of having both. And yeah. so I count myself very lucky to to be able to have both. And and I would say a shout out to my husband who was extremely supportive like okay. this whole time over it. He's like, of course you're going to go back probably too early because you love your job and we'll make it work and we'll get a nanny and my yeah, family yeah. Will help and I, I'll help. And, you know. Brilliant. Yeah, and, and you need that though, don't you? You need that supportive network to, to be able to do those things. Yeah, it it really takes a village. I, I, I mean, you have three? Three little girls, yeah. Three girls, so you—I'm sure that you understand the need of a village. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. But it's also really nice and reassuring for me as a father of three girls that when they get older, they're not going to be kind of stigmatized by having a family. They're going to have opportunities the same as everybody else. So it's um, it, it is nice and reassuring. Yeah, and are they pretty active? Like, is that something <sighs> they never stop? <laughs> Every day of the week. So my seven-year-old is. She's dancing, performing art and stage school. My five-year-old is dancing in gymnastics and my two-year-old's dancing in gymnastics as well. And then they, they want to do a little bit of kickboxing as well, but they, they, they don't really want to commit to that. They just want to do it because myself and my wife did it. So, Oh, did your wife do it as well? But, uh, yeah, that's, that's how we met. We met at the World Championships. No way. Yeah, we grew grew 50 mile apart and um, we were both representing Team England and that's how we met. I'd never met her before that. Yeah. So it was, oh uh, man, yeah. That could be a really fun uh, family, you know, just family time. It, oh, it's amazing. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll just, but yeah, there's there's very little fights because she wins. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I feel like everyone's kept in line. It sounds like yeah. a house full of women. You uh, you more need maybe a sanctuary than a than a village. I've just got a shed, a shed yeah. that I get stuck in. <laughs> For nowadays, it, it's it's great. <laughs> <laughs>
it's great. I can't complain at all. It's fantastic. Yeah. Andrea, thank you so much for your time and for coming on Hobby of a Lifetime. I've absolutely loved talking to you and learning about your journey. This has been so fun. Thank you for having me on. No, thank you very much. Anytime. All right. Well, hopefully we keep in touch and have a good day. Definitely. You too. Thank you for listening to another episode of Hobby of a Lifestyle. Stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you next time.